Geek Vibes Live is rated G for Geek. All right. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another fabulous episode of Geek Vibes Live Interview. For today's uh, sesh, my name is Tia. I'm your host, and I have with me Stargirl's very own Neil Hopkins. How are you this evening, Neil? I'm really good. How are you? I'm I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. Um, it is amazing to speak with you. Um, what time is it, by the way, for you? I I guess you're on the other side of the country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's four thirty here. So, where are you? Uh, I'm in New York currently, so it's 7.30, but it's the summer, it's nice out, so everything's all good. But um, first, let me start off by saying congratulations on such the amazing reception for Stargirl. I have seen critic after critic just say wonderful things about it. So, I mean, how does that feel for you? It's really awesome. It's exciting. It's we waited so long for this show to come out. You know, we finished shooting. Uh, we started shooting in 2019 in uh, beginning of March, and we shot till September 5th. And so it's been a long wait, but it's it's worth it. And I'm actually really glad it came out when it did during the quarantine because you know, it's perfect timing. You know, it's everybody needs a little escapism right now. Oh, absolutely. I remember reporting on Stargirl when it was filming, who it was casting, and it has been a while, but as you said, it's kind of the perfect moment for it to be playing at this moment. Um, How are you dealing, by the way, with the current quarantine that is just rippling our country right now? In fun, (laughs) I wouldn't say. I have a, a six-year-old and a nine-year-old, and they got pulled out of Can you hear me? Mm-hmm. Yes, I can oh, hear sorry. you. Oh, Some, sorry. Something weird happened. Uh, the quarantine has not been fun, but it's been uh, a better than a lot of people, I think. You know, we're healthy, and uh, I try to count my blessings on that because, uh, you know, we have a friend who died in New York of COVID, but um, it's been uh, – it's affected a lot of people in a lot of different ways, but I think, you know – when I count my blessings, you know, we're, we're healthy and we're okay and we're safe. And, uh, I, I don't love it, but, um, it is what it is. Yeah. At least you and your family are safe. So that's good. And you guys kind of have the pleasure of sitting back and really just, uh, watching sort of the show, just, uh, make a lot of people happy during this quarantine, which is great. So on Stargirl, which uh, plays both on the DC Universe app and the CW, you play Lawrence, quote-unquote, Larry Croc, a.k.a. Sportsmaster. So for those who are listening who may not be overly familiar with the uh, this character, how would you describe Larry slash Sportsmaster? Well, Larry is a, uh, you know an alpha male he loves sports he loves physical fitness he loves self-improvement he loves his family he loves his daughter uh and sportsmaster is a stone-cold psychopath 
So uh, there's a little bleed over between the character of uh, Crusher Croc and and the character of Sportsmaster for sure. But uh, you know, as a citizen of Blue Valley, I think Croc is he's pretty much on the level aside for from murdering uh, football coaches every so often. Um, you know, he's got a he's got a business, he's got a gym, he helps a lot of people, and he's like genuinely passionate about it. And that's one of the things I love about the show is it actually like it takes villains and it shows their home life and it shows their families and it shows their lives as you know their alter egos, not not just them coming in as a villain of the week, you know. Yeah, that's something that you don't often expect from TV shows or even movies in the comic book genre. I mean, how is that for you getting into the character and kind of separating the, you know, the the father, the pillar kind of uh, of the community and then the stone cold psychopath villain that is Sportsmaster? Well, I mean, it's just a fun character to play. It's, it's, uh, I love dark humor and Sportsmaster and Tigress live in that world of dark humor. And, you know, it's a joy to get to play a character, even a bad guy that, that is, I think, a funny character, um, but is also just a real badass. Uh, it's, you know, it, it's wearing the suit as, Sportsmaster is obviously a very different feeling than, uh, you know, wearing a tracksuit, which is what I always wear as Croc. It's a lot more comfortable to wear the tracksuit, I can tell you that. But um, it's, you know, it's so much fun to get to play this character because he's so energetic and he has so much passion. And he, you know, when when he's Sportsmaster, he just gets to let all of his, you know, pent up frustration and and he gets to he gets to like live out his dream of being like a super athlete. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he has the outfit looks very reminiscent almost as a um almost not a goalie, I would say, but definitely when you think of like your quintessential like person who has like sports gear, it kind of looks like that he has the baseball bat with him. Um I have to ask about that epic fight in episode six. And I guess spoilers for those who are listening who may not be up to episode six yet. Um, but you, you got to catch up. You got to catch up. Yeah. Um, you had such an epic fight in episode six. I mean, first of all, I have to ask um, how much of that was you and how much of that was, say, like a stunt double? Well, a lot of it was my stunt double, Paul O'Connor. You know, they, they, they did the wire work and, and the dangerous stuff. They don't let you even try it. Um, and because I'm masked, I'm an easy person to double. Um, you know, the, the other characters that don't have a mask are a little bit harder to double. But I, I wanted to do as much of it as I could, and I did as much of it as they allowed me to do. I practiced a lot with the bat. I practiced a lot of the moves that they showed us, and I, I got pretty good at it. But, you know, when you're shooting a television series, it's so run and gun and fast and there's just not a ton of time for for filming these things. They, they bang out an episode in eight days. So, you know, when you have a four minute fight sequence with wires and exploding cars and CGI and all this stuff, they're they're already up against it. And so a lot of times they're just like 
you know, filming while you're filming something as Crusher, while I was filming something as Crusher, they had a second unit with our stunt doubles doing the doing the really dangerous stuff in the parking lot. So we didn't even get to see some of that being filmed, which is funny. <laughs> but I was happy to see that there was a, a good amount of me in there. Um, but uh, some of it, they just you know they don't let you do it. They don't want you. To, they don't want you to get. They don't want you to get killed. That that is very true because unfortunately, um, stunt doubles have been fatally injured in the past. So I can imagine that. Um, and you and there, said there that were you people would... that were there were people injured on our show too. Like not not oh, that, wow. but I mean, there's always injuries, and this stuff that they were doing is. It, I mean, it's it's unlike anything I've ever seen. Certainly on a television show. I mean, they were doing cinematic quality like you know stunts and sequences that were just mind-blowing they would show us the previs beforehand they the stunt coordinator walter garcia they would mock up this whole previs with the stunt team to show you like okay this is this is what the whole sequence is going to look like and they've 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 shot it all inside the sound stages like before you've even gotten there so they show you all the different stuff and they show you the parts. Okay. This is stuff we're going to do. And this is stuff you can do. Um, so it, it was so cool to be a part of something that big and to see the, the incredibly talented and creative stunt team at work because they, they were really just where our jaws were on the floor. Uh, every time they would do a stunt or every time they would show us what they had worked on and the crazy stuff that they came up with, they made it so cool. And it's just awesome to be a part of it and to get plugged into it any way you can. That it's so awesome to hear that the everything about Stargirl looks really great. Um, and I think that maybe a lot of people weren't counting on Stargirl looking so good, being so good. And I have to ask, what do you think? it is about the show Stargirl that really resonates with people and really just draws them in week after week. I mean, the acting is all really good. The, you know, the production value is super high for a TV show, but it's all about the writing and the acting. You know, it's, it's about the stories, the legacy of superhero and villain it's about, like what I said before, where they, you know, they humanize the villains. You know, they humanize Icicle. They humanize Brainwave. They humanize, uh, you know, Crusher and, and, uh, and Paula. And a lot of shows don't delve into that side of it. So they give, you know, as much, almost as much screen time to the villains as they do to the heroes, which is unusual. Um, but one of the coolest things about it is just this sort of coming-of-age story um, where you, you know, you see this kid in a new environment that everybody can relate to starting a new school and trying to make friends and trying to fit in and trying to, you know, figure out, you know, her life situation with her missing father and, and, uh, you know, just trying to find her place in the world and realizing, wow, I'm, I'm actually, you know, or at least believing that she's a part of this legacy. And, uh, it's a, it's a really exciting thing, I think, for young people to watch and, and, one of the things I love so much about it is that there's two generations. You know, there's a generation of villains that are older and, you know, the older generation of heroes gets killed in the beginning of the pilot. But then there's this younger generation of heroes and villains, as you see in the last episode, episode seven, um, where, you know, you, you, you start wondering, like, are these kids going to be able to hack it 
and are these kids in over their head? Clearly, in, in episode six, you see how in over their heads they are right off the bat with Sportsmaster and Tigress. So I think the underdog feel of the show is something that everybody resonates with. But um, when you have a four-minute-long badass fight sequence, I mean, it's, it's hard not to love a show that has that and is able to pull that off. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for us comic book fans, seeing fight sequences being able to play out so flawlessly is something that kind of gets all of us excited when it comes to that. Um, yeah. And I and I think with uh, Stargirl, also the background story of even the creation of Stargirl is something that I think touches a lot of people as well. So it is really interesting and I just I'm happy to see all of the positive reaction to the show so that's awesome (laughs) yeah and that's the thing is like you work on the show and you never know how it's going to be received you hope it's going to be a hit you hope people are going to love it and gravitate toward it and like get it on the level that you get it but you never know it's always an unknown so it's very gratifying to see that it's really resonating with a lot of people Yeah, exactly. Now, I had seen, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, because, you know, not all sources online are accurate, but I had seen that prior to getting the role, you had not been aware of the character of Sportsmaster, but immediately dove into research as soon as you were cast. Yeah, so when I read for it, so I was a big comic book fan when I was like 11, 12 years old. I was really into Batman comics, and I love Frank Miller's The Dark Knight. And at one point, I wanted to be a, a cartoonist. I'm, I'm an artist, and my friend and I would, we, I think we saw Batman in the theater like nine times. It got to the point where we had to lie to our parents and say we were seeing The Abyss when we went and actually <laughs> saw Batman for the ninth time. And uh, it, was, it was an obsession. It was nothing short of that. We would buy the comics, my friend and I, and uh, we would try to copy all the artwork in the comics because we really we just we're, we were obsessed with it but since that time i haven't really been into comics and so i didn't know about jsa i didn't know about the golden age of dc you know i was a fan of the marvel movies and i watched uh, dc's uh, the flash and arrow with my kid and uh really enjoyed those shows but uh didn't know about jsa and i didn't know about Sportsmaster. And so when I went in and read for it, you know, they didn't tell me it was Sportsmaster. I knew it was called Stargirl, but I didn't know about Stargirl. And uh, I uh, was shocked when I got the offer that, you know, the deal memo comes through in your email and it tells you who you're playing. And it, it said Lawrence Croc slash Sportsmaster. I was like, wait, this isn't the part that I read for. This is not my, this is wrong. And then I was like, wait a second. Oh, my God. So they don't tell you who you're reading for. And then you find out, oh, my God, I'm playing a supervillain. This is the coolest thing in the world. And so I immediately looked up Sportsmaster, and I learned that he was originally created in 1941, which blew my mind. And he first appeared, I think, in a Green Lantern comic, and he appeared in Batman comics. And I just I got goosebumps because I was like, oh, my God, this is the coolest thing ever. And also, you know... You know, Sportsmaster over the years has kind of been like a joke character. You know, I mean, first of all, his name's Sportsmaster, which is like such a cornball 1940s, you know, comic book name. And I love, by the way, that the show, you know, comments on that, how corny all the names are, because they're they're these old, you know, 1940s and 50s characters. And so they, they sound like they were created in the 1940s and 50s. But one of the brilliant things Jeff has done is just he's taken these old Golden Age characters and he's reinvented them. And he's like bringing them to the fore now, which I think is such a brilliant thing. 
And so a lot of people are learning about, you know, the JSA and the ISA and all these characters, and he's making them interesting and humanizing them. Um, but yeah, I hadn't heard of him and, and, uh, did a ton of research and, and started watching the uh, young justice. And, uh, I, I was so excited. I was just so excited to get to be the first actor, you know, in a live action thing to play Sportsmaster. First of all, I think that it's so cool how into Batman you were, and I love the story of seeing it nine times in the theater. Uh, I think that a lot of us can relate to that. Um, yeah. And it's, um, well, listen, you know, uh, James Wan and Jason Momoa made Aquaman cool, so it is perfectly yeah. possible to and that make was Jeff these John. characters. Right, Jeff yeah. Yeah, so Jeff Johns has a real knack for, uh, you know, taking <laughs> characters that were not previously cool, like Sportsmaster, like Aquaman, you know, like Shazam, and making them, like, really likable, cool, relatable, modern characters. And it is cool that the show also is introducing the JSA, because I believe that I had read that um, that is going to play into the upcoming Black Adam movie. So I feel like um, the shows are kind of building the way towards all of that, towards the movies. But I'm not sure if you know this. Do you think that there is any chance in the future that the Stargirl show could potentially, say, cross over with the other CW shows, such as The Flash or Supergirl or any of those other shows? I think it's definitely possible. Um, you know, uh, I think that's the way it's by design. I think it's, you know, uh, making it part of the Arrowverse, I think, is is. Um, it's setting the stage for future crossovers and, and, uh, you know, I don't want to give any spoilers away, but I feel like that's definitely part of the plan that Jeff Johns has in his brilliant mind that we are not, we're not necessarily privy to it, even though we're on the show. They only tell us what we need to know. I can imagine being very hush hush about all of that. And I know that you don't want to give away any spoilers, but I do have to ask, what can us as fans expect from Sportsmaster in the rest of the series? Oh man, I can't. I can't say anything. <laughs> I, I, I really, I don't want to tip the hat at all. Like, I, or tip tip my hand at all. Uh, I, I'm, I don't want to get in trouble for saying something that I shouldn't say. But um, I think you will, if you've enjoyed the series thus far, I think you will really enjoy the rest of the series. That's about all I can say. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I do not want you to get in trouble at all. Not in my intention. But what would you say was your favorite scene, say, besides the fight scene to shoot? My favorite scene besides the fight scene to shoot was <laughs> the, the gym, uh, the Rip City scene in episode two that I shot with Luke Wilson. Um, and the reason it was so fun is because uh, Greg Beam and the director he let us, and Jeff has been was very cool. Luke likes to improvise and sort of rewrite certain things and add, you know, lines. And he has really good ideas to his credit. Um, he doesn't just do it for the sake of doing it. He does it like to add more touches on there. And a lot of them end up in the show, and they're really funny. And um, he, I got to do that in all those scenes that I shot with Luke, where you know we'd have the scene on the page and. You know, Jeff would come and meet Luke and Jeff would sit there and talk about uh, what what if we did this and what if I said this and what if this. 
And it was really cool to get to do that. And so in episode two in the Rip City thing, like we, we got to improvise. Uh, we did like six different versions of that scene uh, when he first walks in and we're talking to each other. And Greg had two cameras on us. So we had one on, on Luke and one on me, which is, you know, the, that's like how Adam McKay shoots his comedy. So that if you ever catch anything in improv, you have it on both sides and you can use it. It's not something you have to repeat in different coverage. So Greg set up two cameras and we just, we got to riff on that scene. And, and then he would just feed us lines. He'd say, say this, say this, say this. It was so much fun. It was like working on a comedy. And uh, it was, it, Luke is just so game for all that stuff. And anything you throw at him, he'll roll with it. And he loves that stuff. So it made that scene very alive. And it made it so much fun for both of us as actors to relax into our roles and you know, throw out stuff and, and stuff that we improvised ended up in the in the final cut. So there's just nothing more fun as an actor than to get to do stuff like that. I can completely imagine that the kind of freedom that comes along with it. That's really yeah. cool. Um, now, I can't imagine that Stargirl won't get a second season, but have you heard any rumors or anything of it getting renewed? I mean, I know, again, that's probably, like, spoilers over here. <laughs> I I don't know anything, but I I did, a like, a thing for the CW yesterday with uh, with the ISA members, and uh, we did, like, a, lot, uh, like a, a Zoom thing, and uh, when we were done, I said, hey, have you guys heard anything about renew, you know, if it's going to get renewed? And what they told me is we're going to find out July 3rd. But that's all I know. I don't I don't know one way or the other. It's interesting that you mentioned Zoom. I feel like that has become the quintessential tool during the quarantine time. How strange is it going to be for you to kind of get back into a physical filming setting? I mean, as long as it's safe and we're out of the COVID days, uh, it's going to be <laughs> an amazing feeling. I think we all are going to feel like hallelujah. It's just, uh, but, but it, you know, the, the problem is who knows when we're going to get out of this, who knows when COVID's going to finally go away, when we're going to have a vaccine, all that stuff. But filming is starting to resume on certain projects, at least uh, from what I've heard. I've, I put myself on tape for a couple things that are supposed to shoot in August. And I don't know how that's going to work. It's a little scary. I got to be honest with you. The idea of getting on a plane and flying somewhere to shoot, um, there's a lot of risk involved. So, you know, once we get back to the normal times, I think we're all going to be just over the moon, you know, just to just to have normal contact again and not have to worry about everything. Um, But, you know, shooting while the pandemic is still going on is going to be very interesting. Yes, I would say. Um, I think I heard that the Falcon and Winter Soldier show for Disney Plus is supposed to resume filming very early in the Czech Republic. But I had asked actress Natalie Sharp, who played Millie Rollins on The Flash in season six, kind of a similar question. And she also said that it's, you know, you have to be safe when it comes to all of this. So I just, I feel for actors because uh, everything's about social distancing and literally with acting, you have to be really up close and personal with people. Yeah. They're going to have to figure out writing wise, how to write scenes where it doesn't involve a lot of close contact and and kissing is going to be completely out. Maybe even handshaking, who knows? I mean, it's going to be very, it's going to be very interesting, but you know, 
some of the best art happens under extreme limitations and some of the best creativity happens under limitations. So I think it's certainly possible. It's just they're going to have to get creative with it. Absolutely. So I, going back to your love of comic books and superheroes and all that, if you could pick your ideal comic book character to play, who would you say that you would just absolutely love to step in their shoes? I mean, I've always wanted to play Batman, but I got to say, <laughs> uh, well, I'm not British, so maybe I'll never play Batman. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> it seems that seems to be the benchmark for playing Batman, um, aside from Ben Affleck, of course. But um, yeah, it's uh, I, I, I this is going to be corny, but I, I love Sportsmaster. I love this character. I love what he can do. I love his alter ego. Uh, it's just something I really resonate with. I have so much fun playing in that. Like, and I've said this during, while we were filming, I, I was like, if, if you could play anyone in this show, Stargirl, who would you have picked? And I would pick Sportsmaster, hands down, like hands down, because it's just, it's just some characters really just click with you and they really resonate with you. And this is one of those guys. And I think, again, getting to originate a character in a live action, you know, setting is so cool because then you become the standard sports master, you know, and you don't have to live up to like, you know, Joaquin Phoenix having to live up to, you know, or being constantly aware of Heath Ledger's brilliant take on the Joker. Like you don't have that pressure on you, you know, your, your, your character is your character. So getting to play someone that's new is, is like incredible because you don't have all that, you know, you don't have all those eyes on you of like what you're going to do. And, oh, I don't like that compared to this and all that. There's no one really to compare Sportsmaster to that's not a cartoon, you know. That is very true. That's a in- incredibly great point because it seems like, and not only the actor has to feel that, but the public reception is always going to do their share of comparing. So yeah. you are literally, like, if there is someone who ends up playing Sportsmaster in a movie or something else, it's always going to be back to you and how Neil Hopkins played the character. Yeah, and that's really cool, as long as someone doesn't do a way better sportsmaster. <laughs> I think that you're doing an amazing job, and I love that you're so passionate <laughs> about it, because that certainly resonates off-screen, so that's amazing. Um, I have to ask, you know, just kind of one last question, you know, you so you're on Stargirl, which already is becoming such a large and popular show, but you were also on another large and popular show with Lost, and I, I'm sure that there are so many differences, but how was the, like, what would you say is the difference in getting into the mindsets of these two different characters? Well, they're completely, obviously, very different characters. Um and you just take you take each character as it comes, and and each character pre, pre, you know presents its own set of challenges and its own set of opportunities. And so they're, they're, I can't really compare the two characters at all. They're they're very different. But um, you know, in terms of being a part of like a show that is a really big show, it's uh, I, I I like being part of Stargirl because you know. I'm a, my role is bigger <laughs> and I have more to do in the show and I'm, 
you know, I'm on the poster, you know, what do you, what, how, how can you complain when you're on the poster, you know, but, uh, you know, Lost was such a huge production, a huge cast and so many ins and outs. And you never knew if you were coming back, if you were a recurring character, like I was, you never knew, you hoped you'd come back, but you never knew. And then you never knew what they would write for you when you got back. You know, you didn't know if you'd have more to do or less to do than you did last time. And, uh, you know, you, you just you're just kind of along for the ride. And, and in the case of Lost, it went on for six years. And I was grateful to be a part of it. It was a great character and great fun to play with Don Monaghan. And uh, but, you know, it's it's cool to be in on the ground floor of uh, of a show like Stargirl and to get to get to play a character that actually has like a, a history, you know. Absolutely. I'm going to sit here with my fingers crossed that we get a second season and I look forward to seeing what the rest of season one has to offer us. Um, Neil, I know that you said that you had some stuff lined up for August. Not sure what's going to happen with that. But besides that, is there something that the listeners who are listening, uh, what what do we have to look forward to, say, besides Stargirl? Well, I mean, things have been dead for, you know, since since March. So there were a couple projects I was hopeful about that uh, that ended up falling through. And it's just been a total shutdown. So things have just really been on pause. I'm just hoping that things can get back to normal soon. So I have <laughs> my next thing lined up. But right now, you know, I was talking to the people in the cast and we're all just kind of itching to get back out there. But it's really hard when the business is shut down. So Hopefully it's something soon, and hopefully it's something very cool, and uh, hopefully we get to do more Stargirl. Yes, absolutely. I hope so. And again, Neil, thank you so much for even taking the time to speak with me tonight. It is a fantastic series. You are amazing as Sportsmaster, and it's great to speak with someone who is also a comic book nerd. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. It It was a pleasure talking to you. I'm glad you liked the show. Awesome. Thank you so much again, Neil, and I hope you have a great rest of your day. My pleasure. You too. Take care of yourself. Thank you. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the King of Sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.